we have it all, a business and lifestyle podcast for content creators and entrepreneurs. Real insights, help and conversations to inspire you to do what you truly want to. Hello everyone and welcome back to my podcast, Can We Have It All? How are you all doing? Have you survived half term? And how are you feeling after yesterday's announcement? Yes, I'm recording this on Sunday and last night here in the UK we received the announcement that we'll be going into another lockdown. And I know for many of us that brings up all sorts of emotions, um, but I guess I just want to say we've done it before, we can get through this, it's okay to cry, it's okay to shout, scream, be frustrated, take deep breaths and let's keep calm and carry on together. But enough about that, on to the subject of today's podcast. This weekend saw the close and end of a community that I have been running and growing for the last seven or so years now. And it was a very difficult decision to make and to come to and to decide upon. But it was the right decision and it is leading me on to pastures new. So I wanted to reflect on that a bit today and talk about the lessons that I've learned from running a community for seven years. Because back when I started it, There were, of course, communities, but it definitely wasn't a thing that it is now. You know, I feel like everybody now has a membership community, you know, a free community, uh, a club, you know, a tribe, a gang, whatever everybody likes to call their groups. Um, But back sort of seven, eight years ago, when I founded my first ever community, Weblog MCR, there wasn't many things like that around that easily connected people, especially virtually, um, as well as kind of face to face, which was how my group started. So yeah, I wanted to reflect today on some of the things that I've learned because I feel like for any of you out there who are thinking about starting a community or a membership or a subscription, you know, or even just growing a community on social media just via your audience, then I think these lessons learned will benefit you. So, you know, you learn from my mistakes and my successes You know, if I had somebody to learn from seven or eight years ago, I'm sure things would look very different for me right now. But like I always say, the success comes in the learning. It comes in the doing. It comes in the trying and the failing and having it a go and testing again and trying again. And that really is for me, you know, the win. And Largely, I have run a very successful community over the last seven years, but there have been, on reflection, ways that I would have loved to have done it differently if I had the knowledge and the insight that I have now. But hey, everything is always 2020 in hindsight, isn't it? So it's easy to say. So let's dive on straight in to 10 things I've learned from running a community for seven years. The first and probably most important point in many respects, is, you know, the reasons why you start a community. If you want or need something, or maybe you lack something or are frustrated by something, chances are, almost certainly, there'll be others that share those same wants and needs or lacks and frustrations as you do too. They're your people. 
they're your community. So if you're thinking of an idea and you're not quite sure whether there'll be anyone who come along for the ride, I can bet you there will be. And so, you know, even if there's four, three, four, five people that join your community or your club or your group or your membership, that's still a group, that's still a community. So don't underestimate the idea or the feeling that you have and the gap or the space that you feel you want to fill for yourself because there'll be other people looking to fill that same gap too. And that's how my community started. It started as me, a blogger up in Manchester, you know, eight years ago when blogging was not a thing like it is now. It certainly wasn't a career. It wasn't hugely commercialised. It wasn't a trajectory. You know, people leave university now wanting to be a blogger or kids start blogs and earn money before they're even teenagers. It wasn't a thing like that eight years ago. But I could see that it could have potential and I loved it and I did it as a hobby. But I knew nobody else that blogged. I didn't have any friends that even knew what blogging was. People would roll their eyes when I'd talk about it. You know, they'd kind of look at me quizzically when I'd say I was a blogger. We didn't take our camera phones everywhere we go. We didn't snap things. There was no Instagram. It just wasn't the lifestyle that it is now. But I wanted to learn and I wanted to get better at creating content and I wanted to see where it could take me. And so I decided to reach out myself to try and find other people um, who, who shared those same visions and also shared the biggest frustration, which was at that time, any successful bloggers or bloggers that were working with brands seemed to be based down in London. And that's where all the PR activity was happening. And so for, you know, 20 something northerner, it was so frustrating when you ever did get whiff of a brand event to be told that, you know, you had to pay 200 quid to get on a train midweek down to London and back again that same night. And so I figured if I have these frustrations, other people would too. And you know what? I was right. (laughs) I put it out there on Twitter because that was my thing at the time. Twitter was my jam. And, you know, within a few days, I had my first meetup with 15 other like-minded people. And I knew right away that I was finding my community, my people. And, you know, I won't go over the story again in great detail because you can listen to that in the first couple of episodes of this podcast. But essentially, it grew from there. And, you know, I provided something for other bloggers like me who were looking for like-minded people, for friendships, for help, for growth, for education and for community. And so this is the community that saw a few iterations. It started off as WeBlogMCR, as in WeBlogManchester, a few of us bloggers. It then became WeBlogNorth when I launched and founded the Northern Blog Awards and kind of spread across the whole north of England. And it was so exciting at that time because it was really the kind of first thing that said, hey, look, we're here. We're up here in the north and we're amazing. You need to recognise us. And then after COVID hit and lockdown hit, I pivoted again ever so slightly and opened up the community to everyone and anyone who was interested in content creation and called it Community Inspire Collaborate, which was always our ethos and tagline. You know, I always run everything I did with WeBlog 
with the with the mantra of community inspire collaborate so that's where the community has been for this last six months and now it is the right time to close it um to close the doors and look to the future and grow with myself and the way that I've grown and developed and to grow that community in a, in a slightly different direction as well. But more on that later. So the second thing I've learned through this journey is that there are different types of community serving different needs. You can have free communities, which you know are quite um, open and led by the members as opposed to led by um, the founder. There are paid for communities, memberships, subscriptions. There are, you know, intimate. There are huge mass communities. There are communities with on-demand access to resources and people. Then there are communities that are very much more live and interactive. And there are premium communities and there are cheaper communities. So you really need to bear this in mind if you're thinking of starting your own, is where do you want to fit along that scale? Because it's a big scale and there's lots of different factors to think about. And I would probably say that, you know, I've ticked the boxes for quite a few of those things over the last seven years as I've experimented and tried things out to see what fit with my particular audience and my communities at the time. Um, And it is important to have that clear, I think. And if I was to do this all again, and I sort of am doing this again now, Um, it is important to have that that clear as you're launching and as you're going out because you will realise very quickly that you can't be everything to everyone. And I'm jumping the gun there because that is one of my points which will come up a little bit later. But feeding on from that point is that there are different types of communities which are satisfying different needs And it's important to get your price right. If you are charging for your community, now you might not be, you might have an open free community and or audience and that's fantastic. You might have both. But if you are thinking about commercialising your community, then you really need to think about getting your price right. And I would say this is one of the biggest lessons that I've learned. It ever so slightly embarrasses me to say that when I started my community seven or so years ago and I decided to introduce a monthly fee because I could no longer keep up with hosting these events in my part-time. I had a a full-time job at the time. Um, I was organising events, meetups in, in person. I was running a community, I was creating content and, you know, I was paying for it all out of my own pocket. I didn't have a budget. It uh, it wasn't a business plan. And, you know, I'd always buy the first round of Prosecco at the meetups. And so I realised that I couldn't, you know, grow it or keep it up even without some sort of income to support it. And so my first ever membership subscription rate was £2.50 a month. And actually, looking back, I can't believe it. (laughs) But like I said at the beginning, there wasn't very many monthly subscriptions of this type back then. There wasn't a formula to copy. You know, it was either very corporate business networking things, which were hugely expensive, 
or free, very open communities that were led by the members, which you you know you could dip in and out of, but you weren't really getting a huge amount of value out of it. So I needed to sit somewhere between the two, and I decided that £2.50 essentially was the rate that I felt comfortable charging my mates, you know, because I had grown a community that had become my mates. And I also didn't really know what it was that I was going to do. I just knew I was going to do something. So I wanted to let that um, trust and kind of faith that my friends had in me and just roll with it. So I decided to charge a very nominal amount. So in my head, you know, it's £2.50 a month. So it was 30 quid a year. It was a no brainer. And it would give me just a little bit of a cash flow to actually fund the meetups, to fund the time it was taking me to organise, to buy goodie bags, to buy some branded bits and bobs. And that's where it all started. But looking back seven years on, and this is my chance to be completely open with you all, is that that was kind of my downfall. I started way too low and it became nigh on impossible to seriously grow upwards from there because I had, you know, more volume at a lower price. It wasn't necessarily the kind of long-term growth plan that I could sustain as a entrepreneur and as a solopreneur and small business. But I did increase the prices because as the community grew from, you know, 20 or 30 of us to about 200 at at one point, I was putting in so much more work. I was creating resources. I was hosting live webinars. I was hosting live seminars, um, events, meetups, PR events, prizes, competitions, goodie bags. And it was a really fantastic place to be. You know, I was driving over to Leeds to host events. I was going into Manchester City. We went up to Newcastle at one point, um, over to Liverpool. We've been all over in our many iterations. So I did increase the price and I increased it again, slightly cringeworthy looking back now, but to £5.99 a month. And again, that, you know, felt to me like a nominal no-brainer amount you know, compared to the value that I was putting out. But this is kind of where the biggest lesson is learned because there is a value perception when it comes to what you charge as well as the actual physical value that you are giving out. And what I mean by that is it you almost, <laughs> you almost do yourself a disservice because you can provide as much value, you can show up every single day, you can put a new resource in the member's bank every day and host 10 lives a week. But if you're charging, you know, a few pounds a month, the perceived value is never going to meet the actual value that you are giving out. Because, you know, people just think, well, it's a few quid, I'll show up when I need to. And that's absolutely fine. And that if that is the sort of community that you want, where people just dip in and dip out as and when they need, they don't take it hugely seriously, they don't show up to everything, then that is absolutely fine. And it works for a lot of people because there, that sort of community, you'll get more volume, you'll get a little bit more churn, you know, people will join for a little while and they'll leave. But what I would say is it, you could almost do, you could almost run a community that you showed up one hour a week and a community that you showed up 100 hours a week and the 
perceived value would still be the exact same because you're charging, you know, a nominal amount. So it's certainly worth thinking about if if you want to start something, you know, it can be a really nice entry point for people. It gives, if you're not really well known, if you haven't built up a huge kind of audience or, you know, um, client base, then charging a nominal, nominal amount can be a really great way of introducing people to your product or to your services or to your, you know, value and community. But it can also give a perceived value that what you're providing is only worth that much. And I bet you it's worth so much more. So that's when my biggest shift came at, you know, the beginning of this year. And when COVID happened was that I physically could no longer sustain running a community of, you know, 150, 200 members at that price. I couldn't provide the resources and the time and the energy needed um, at that price. It just wasn't a sustainable business. So I increased the price yet again to 10.99 per month and it was amazing to see the shift in the perceived value and the um input from new members signing up at that rate because it was just that little bit more of an investment it's not a completely uncomfortable investment 10.99 by no means is a lot of money for most people but it was enough to for it to be you know a conscious decision and what I was seeing and learning was that those people who are spending £11 a month as opposed to £2.50 or £5 a month were putting so much more into the community and therefore getting so much more out of it, which I'll get onto a little bit later. Now, it's worth saying here, because I'm sure there'll be many of my old community members listening, I'm not saying that everybody paying £2.50 or £5.99 a month didn't get any value out of it or didn't put anything into the community because that's not true. I had so many amazing members who would show up to absolutely everything, who would read everything, who would, you know, support. And it, and it's a very sweeping generalisation when I talk about this today, but it is something that I learned. And I've learned about myself when I join a community that when I join a community that isn't very expensive, there isn't that pressure for me to show up. There isn't that pressure for me to perform and get anything out of it because I figure, well, you know, it's only a few quid. So if I do something, then great, that's a bonus. But if I don't, I'm not really missing out. But when I've invested in communities that I spend 40, 50, 60 quid on a month, then you'll be damn sure I'm showing up. You know, I'm turning up to those webinars. I'm downloading those resources. I am getting my value out of it because it is a big investment. It's like going to the gym. You know, when you buy that expensive gym membership with the pool and it's 50, 60 quid a month, you turn up because you can't afford to, you know, waste that money or see it go down the drain. So that's what I mean in terms of get your price right because there is a perceived value with your pricing. Now, my next biggest lesson learned, and this is a really, really big one for me, and I touched on it earlier, and that is you can't be everything to everyone. Sometimes it is okay to say no or to know that you're not the right community for a person. You know, and it's taken me, I would say, six and a half of that seven years to really realise that and to really be comfortable with that. I'm a people pleaser by nature 
and I'm an extrovert so I love people I get my energy from people so running a community feels the right and natural thing for me to do and I absolutely it brings me joy but I would say that because of that personality trait I would often feel pulled in a hundred directions at once you know I'd have 150 members and 10 of them would want more of x 20 of them would want more of y five of them would want more of z and one would say I want none of the above and I want zero and I would please all of those people I would do x I would do y I would do z and I'd launch zero just to please that one person and you know it it became unsustainable and exhausting and it meant that actually I wasn't providing the best value I could because I was trying to please absolutely everybody all of the time so when I stepped back and focused on my strengths and the things that I felt I could deliver correctly and was comfortable with the fact that I would lose some people that you know what wasn't getting maybe that one thing that they expected or wanted out of it I felt a lot better and a lot more confident in the community that I was running. And as I say, this is a lesson that's taken years to learn because you experiment and and you hone and you try things out. But I would say this is a really important one is to be confident enough in what you provide and what you know and what you want from your community to accept that it won't be for everyone and that some people will join and whatever for whatever reason it won't be what they expected or it won't quite be ticking the boxes and that's absolutely okay. I would much rather now have a very small intimate community of people that absolutely were aligned with my values and my vision than have a thousand members who were all over the place in what they wanted and desired and I felt like I couldn't please them all and that's been a big thing for me because when I started it I presumed that I wanted quantity I presumed that the bigger the community the better I presumed that the more resources the more successful the more happier that people would be and actually it's been kind of you know the opposite that's really taught me and so with my next venture I will certainly be applying that lesson um, to kind of strike the right balance. On to my next lesson learned is that sometimes running a community can feel like a thankless job and again I mean this in the nicest way possible because I look back with nothing but fondness overriding sense of like pride and joy from running a community but there are undoubtedly times where running a community with lots of members and where you're providing lots of value and you kind of don't necessarily get that one-to-one interaction with people all the time it can feel a little bit thankless and I mean that sometimes you can spend hours working on a you know an email newsletter a new resource and you think I've absolutely nailed this you record a nice video to go with it and you release it and crickets and I don't mean necessarily crickets in the sense that nobody likes it or nobody looks at it or nobody downloads it or nobody watches that video but most people will just presume that they don't need to say anything about it because you know they're part of a membership they pay for it and that's what they pay for which is absolutely right and correct but sometimes you can be sat there left thinking oh no nobody likes it no, I'm not helping anybody. No one said thank you. No one says 
you know, they're loving it. And so if you're ever somebody who suffers with, you know, confidence or self-esteem, it is quite a bizarre thing to get your head round because you have to get over the fact that not everybody is going to like lift you up all the time and say thank you for absolutely everything you put out there. Like, why would they? I bet you don't say thank you for everything that you has ever been provided to you in, you know, a community or a service or a course, because, you know, why would you? So just remember that chances are everybody loves it. It's what everybody wants. And, you know, if your community retention is really good and you've still got members paying your monthly rate, then they're obviously happy. So don't worry if sometimes you put something out there and it's a bit quiet because it might feel thankless, but it's absolutely not. It is the most rewarding thing when you get the recipe right. Running a community is the most rewarding thing you could possibly do. Now on to my next lesson learned, and I would say this is a big one, and that is structure helps. When I started my community, and this is the reason I started it out so cheap, I didn't know what it was gonna look like. I just knew I had a bunch of people who shared the same visions, frustrations, goals as me, and we all wanted to come together, and I was the person willing to arrange that and keep that going and keep that momentum but I didn't have any structure. I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what I was going to be doing from one month to the next. I was completely and utterly winging it. And that's absolutely fine in the early stages. And when you're growing and learning and developing a community, and particularly if you're not charging or you're charging a very minimal amount, but if you're going out there with something that is an offering, something that is an investment for people, then I would definitely say having structure really helps. It not only helps with your marketing, but it helps with you and your organization and it helps with the expectation of your audience and of your members. You know, if you have a clear structure, a calendar, you know, um, a monthly promise, whatever it might look like, people know what they're getting. They know what they're getting in return for their money. And it harps back to the previous point is that perceived value. Well, you don't need to worry about perceived value if you're telling people exactly what they get each month for their membership. So, you know, really focus on what you want to bring to the table each month, for instance, and what that might look like and introduce a little bit of structure. It really will help you and it will help your members navigate the community as well. And don't be afraid to give gentle prods. You know, I've done it a few times in the community where I've said, hey guys, you know, you asked for this, you wanted a seminar on this or a webinar on this and I'm running it, you better turn up, you know, and a gentle prod of the more you put in, the more you get out or, you know, make sure you apply to this or download this. It's absolutely okay to give your members a little bit of direction and a little bit of a prod and a steer to make sure that they're getting everything out of it because chances are they might have missed that email, it might have gone into their spam, they might have been away when that live happened last week, they might have missed their Facebook notification. So gentle prods are absolutely fine. And along with structure comes my next point, which is it can be easy to over deliver when you run a community and therefore actually overwhelm your audience. Again, you know, back in the days of me learning about through my community and how to run it, I was trying to provide everything to everyone. I would have, you know, 
something, a post going out every day on social media. I would have three events a week. I would have two resources, two newsletters. And it just actually became a bit overwhelming, not only for me, but for my audience because they couldn't keep up. And I thought, well, I need to keep giving value. You know, I want want them to get the most possible out of their money every month. And actually it was working against me because most people just weren't seeing the wood through the trees, so to speak. So I would definitely say when you run a community, less can often be more. You know, don't worry about throwing things at people every single day because they don't expect it and they don't need it. My next lesson comes from the other side of the table. You as a member, and I have learned this myself as a member when I subscribe to things or join things, is that the people who turn up and get involved get so much more out of it than those who don't. Whether you are paying £1 a month or £100 a month, if you show up, you are going to get that value. And I honestly, if I sign up to something now, I want to be sure that I'm showing up. And that might mean live, it might mean making time in my diary, it might be making a note that I need to download something and look at it later. But honestly... If you're part of a community and you're thinking, I'm just not getting anything out of this or it's just not what I thought it was and I think I'm going to cancel, really ask yourself, have you shown up? Have you participated? Have you introduced yourself? Have you asked a question? Have you reached out to anybody? Because it's all of these things. A community is there to nurture and to help and support you and there will be resources and guidance there from people and from the founder like me for instance to help and support and guide you but there's nobody there to read your mind there's nobody there to clear your diary or your calendar or put a reminder on there's nobody there to prod you every single day of every single month to say hey why don't you do this today and so you do have to accept some responsibility for your own Uh, you know, learning and development journey and go, actually, I need to show up. And actually, if I'm feeling a bit isolated, maybe it's because I haven't reached out. Maybe it's because I haven't introduced myself, you know, and this comes with personality type as well. You know, I'm really proud to say that a lot of my community that I've run have actually been, you know, a bunch of introverts. And I love that because I feel like, well, if this is a comfortable space for introverts, then surely I'm winning because it can often be, you know, particularly with, you know, traditional old school networking or or groups or clubs, that it would always be the extroverts that would get heard. It would always be the extroverts leading the way. And often there'd be people sort of sat back in the shadows, not really feeling like they could speak up. So I was really proud to run a community where I felt like every personality type had a space to speak and engage with each other. But I also know from direct feedback from some of my members who are more introverted, that it really helped when they just pushed themselves out of their comfort zone, when they just turned up to that event that they were dreading, when they didn't want to be there by themselves, but they pushed themselves out of the comfort zone and realised within minutes that it was the best decision they'd made because they'd met a whole bunch of people who were on the same wavelength, they'd made new friends and, you know, new collaborations and clients. So yeah, honestly, if you are considering joining a community or a club or a membership, then please do put everything you can into it, at least for that first month or two, really show up, really invest that time and energy 
and try and get everything you can out of it. And if you still, after all of that, say this isn't the community for me, then that is absolutely fine. And I think you can safely say, well, you know what? I gave it a good go, but it's not quite for me. But if you don't show up and if you don't turn up and if you don't reach out, then chances are you're never going to find the right community because actually it's about pushing yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit. And that's something I've really learned about myself as well as about me as a founder and how I want to help and encourage my members to feel welcome and feel safe and feel like they can reach out whenever they want. So then leading on from that and flipping the coin again is that there will always be people that don't show up. So if you are a community founder, if you are building a membership and you run a community of people, do not worry because there will always be people that don't show up. In fact, there's often a high percentage of people that don't show up, particularly if you run things that are live. Um, You know, there's always going to be people who aren't free, who it doesn't work with their calendar and they'll watch it on replay. And it was the same when I used to host live events. My background is very much in events organisation is, you know, we would always factor if 20 to 30 percent of people show up like we're winning, you know, or for a big event that was ticketed where people bought something, you'd always factor that 10 percent of people will drop out because of illness, because of, you know, childcare, whatever it might be. So don't worry, because there will always be people that don't show up. It doesn't mean they don't think that you're great or that your community isn't worth showing up for. Now on to the next thing and then there's, I've got two more points, two more lessons learned. And this one is that sometimes you might realise that you need help. And this comes with every walk of life and with every um, type of job is that sometimes you just need help and it's okay to reach out. And actually, when you are running a community, you do need to factor in the time that it takes to maintain that community. So to answer the questions, the DMs, the Facebook notifications, to answer the emails, to reply to responses to your newsletter, whatever it might be, you do have to take some responsibility as a community founder for actually running the community yourself or bringing someone in who can do. Because like I just mentioned, you'll have different types of members, you'll have different personality types, you'll have different, you know, um, wants, needs, desires, even if you do all your members do share the same common goal there'll be some people that need maybe a little bit more guidance and there'll be some that are really independent and happy to just run off on their own and either way you need to create a space where everybody feels like they are able to talk able to be involved and able to get out of it what they want to and need to so if you can't uphold that yourself and dip in as regularly as you need to, then it's worth considering getting somebody who can help you with that. Whether it's just the admin, whether it's a VA, or whether it's a full-time position. And in the year or so, or two years, that I had somebody on board, the wonderful Kat Horrocks, who was actually an existing member and a friend, she came on board to help me when I had my second baby and wanted some semblance of a maternity leave. So Kat came on board to help run the day-to-day of the community and she'd be the one that would pick up on the DMs, on the messages, she'd reply, she'd dip in, she'd say hi so that everybody knew there was somebody there thinking about them and somebody there to answer their questions and it really, really did help and in many ways that was the best part of that community was when I had a right-hand woman to kind of, you know, 
be there when I couldn't be there 100%. And so I would say it's definitely worth the investment of bringing someone on board if you're feeling a bit overwhelmed as a community founder. And my final lesson learned over the last seven years of running a community is that know when it's time to move on. And this sounds like a really bizarre thing to say when I'm saying, you know, go start a community, it's amazing. And you you go and learn from all the lessons. And I absolutely am saying to go and do that. And I am going to be doing that myself. But it's also important to recognise when something isn't quite serving you or your members in the way that you want it to anymore. And that it doesn't mean that it's a failure when something is coming to its natural close. And for me, that's what happened with my community, which at this point was Community Inspire Collaborate, which grew out of WeBlog MCR and WeBlog North and has spanned, you know, seven years and had over 450 amazing members come through the membership and the community. I started to recognise a couple of months ago that I felt like it was coming to its natural close. And that was coming mainly from me as the founder in what I felt like I could provide members, you know, what members were joining for and the way that I have grown and developed as a entrepreneur and as a woman and as a small business owner, I knew that I needed to be able to kind of pivot and take all these years of lessons learnt and make something that's kind of next level for me, but also for my members. And I could have tried to reiterate the same community again to pivot it slightly again to rebrand it again but I didn't feel that that would be the best possible way. I knew that the people who would be aligned with what I wanted to do next would come along with me and for those that it wasn't quite aligned for anymore that it was okay to say farewell for now you know no hard feelings. There's absolutely no regrets with my community it's been a fantastic space There was just under 150 members when I decided to close the doors. It was by no means failing. I just realised that the growth that I wanted to see both both personally and as a business just wasn't going to happen with the way that the community was set up and the direction that it was currently in. I realised that it was just as important for me to be able to serve myself so that I could serve my members and my community better. You know, I wanted to share my growth. I wanted to share my experiences both personally and professionally. And I felt like with the community stood as it was, there was always going to be that feeling of stepping backwards slightly or one step forward, two steps backwards. And, you know, I had to accept that if I was starting to feel like that, then I wasn't going to be continuing to put in the right kinds of energy and that just didn't feel quite right anymore. So with an emotional announcement I let the community know how I was feeling, I was really open about it and it was a really hard decision to make because I did and still do love that community and look back on it with fondness and I do think it could have been something very very special if that's where my energies and my focuses were aligned in that way and they're not, they've moved on. And that's absolutely okay. And so instead, I'm going to take all the lessons I've learned from the last seven years of growing a community and everything I've learned in building my own business and marketing myself online. 
and throw it into an amazing new community called Flourish. I have realised the importance to flourish as an individual, you know, both mentally, physically, and also to flourish as a business. And that's something that I have really learned to put huge importance on over this last year. I've invested in myself more than I ever have before in both money and time and energy. And I've seen the results that can come from that. And I'm in a fantastic place and I want my members to be in a fantastic place too. And I want us to be able to support and help each other to flourish as solopreneurs and as business owners. So yesterday, Sunday the 1st of November, saw me pre-launch my wonderful new community, Flourish, to my members of my old community and also to my mailing list. And the reason I did this was because I wanna make sure that this community has grown in the best possible way and that I can really put everything I've learned over the last seven years into this in the right way. So there is structure, there is direction, there is purpose, there is expectation for members to show up, you know, there is value. So I have soft launched it. I'm running a beta kind of group over November and December for my old community members so they get kind of first dibs and first taste on what Flourish is going to be and then for this week I'm opening the doors for founding members to come and join me in January on a special founding member offer it will be the lowest price for members of the public to join It'll be a monthly membership and there'll be an amazing schedule of support, resources, accountability and lives. So as I say, doors will be open for this week and then they will close again until December. And when they open in December, that will be the official launch period. So it will be the official price that the community will go out at and um, it will be open to absolutely everybody. And then the doors will close again and won't open until later in the spring of 2021. So it is a small window of opportunity for you to get involved and to become a founding member of Flourish. And I hope that you might come along for the journey. So if you're a solopreneur or small business owner or aspiring to be, then I would definitely consider finding out a little bit more about this community. I've popped all of the links in the show notes so you can go and find out a little bit more and there's also something else super excited that I've launched alongside it which is my six week digital marketing course again the doors are open for this week at a founding member rate which is a serious discount and then they close again until January because the six week course doesn't start until the end of January so there's two options there for you to get involved and to really kind of focus on your own personal and business learning development And, you know, come and join me and let's flourish together. That's been a long one today. I'm sorry if I have chewed your ear off. But as you can tell, I have learned a lot over the last seven years. And I wanted to share it with you guys today because I think it's important to get an insight into what uh, running a community as a business really looks like. The good, the bad and the ugly, the lessons learned, you know, the successes and the fails. And actually that all of it is part of the journey which leads you on to exactly where you should be. 
I hope that you too can learn from some of my lessons and if you ever want to talk about anything community or small business then you know where I am. I have a free Facebook group which again I have linked in the show notes if you want to just get a bit of a feel for what I do and you know make sure that you don't miss any podcast episodes or blog posts or anything that I'm launching or offering then that's the place to be and of course I hope that some of you will throw caution to the wind and join me in Flourish as a founding member this week and come and start 2021 in the best possible way after this shit show of a year that has been 2020. Thanks for listening and see you same time next week. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast and I hope you enjoyed it. And if you found something useful and inspiring, then I'd really appreciate it if you could leave me a five-star review and a rating because it really helps other people hear this podcast too. If you'd like to enter a competition for a one-to-one coaching session or a blog audit with me, then make sure you leave an email address in that review as well. And if you'd like to submit a question or a topic for discussion, then just send me an email. Find me and my business information, including how to join my growing online community of entrepreneurs and content creators over on holly-wood.co.uk or over on Instagram, all the details about how to contact me and find me and follow me are in the show notes. Thank you. Have a fab week.